We open up the book of Zechariah um, into chapter 8. And um, if you want to open up there, we'll be able to read in a moment. We've been moving our way through uh, chapter 8 of this book and seeing all the promises that God has for His people um, in a time when they're rebuilding the temple in the city of Jerusalem, in a time when they're um, not just rebuilding the temple in the city, but they're really rebuilding their identity in who they are um, in God and as God's people. They've just spent 70 years in Babylon in a place where it's not easy to remember who you are as God's people, in a place where it wasn't easy to maintain relationship with Him. And they've been allowed to come back and the task of rebuilding is at hand and it's not an easy one. And so God calls Zechariah to encourage his people and to uh, keep them on track with the task of rebuilding and to, and to um, remember who they are. And chapter 8 of Zechariah's book is the one we've been moving through. It's the one where, um, you know, it, it's full of these promises. This is what the Lord says. And um, it says that over and over again. And we've been working our way through these. And these promises, um, are, you know, They were for God's people in that moment in history, but we've found that there's ways in which we can apply these promises uh, to our own lives. You know, recognising that there's every sense in which the church in general today and us as believers are being rebuilt and we're going constantly through this process of being reshaped and reformed in Christ, reconnected with who God created us to be, brought back from whatever our Babylon is, um, whatever our exile has been, and brought back to the path that God wants us to stay on. And, um, you know, we're, we're always finding that in light of Jesus and the new covenant, we're able to, we're able to apply these truths and these promises to ourselves. And so Zechariah chapter 8, starting at verse 14 today. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Just as I had determined to bring disaster on you and showed no pity when your ancestors angered me, says the Lord Almighty, so now I have determined to do good again to Jerusalem and Judah. Do not be afraid. So at first reading of this, it sounds like God's kind of just changing his mind. And um, maybe it seems a little bit like that, but um, it's pretty clear as you read through the Old Testament narrative, um, when God established his relationship with his people, it was like, if you, if you uphold the covenant laws, I'm going I'm to bless you. If you don't uphold them, there's going to be curses and disaster and consequences, right? And so what these verses here is saying that um, God's saying, you know, I, I determined to bring disaster on your ancestors because they broke the covenant. Right? He's like, now now that we're, we're, we're back where you should be and there seems to be a level of faithfulness to my covenant again, I'm going to bring good things. Right? And so that's, that's, the, that's the promise that he's bringing to the people, who are, the faithful remnant who are trying to rebuild. He's saying, although he treated their ancestors with the consequences of being unfaithful, sent to Babylon, um, all of these terrible things going on, he says, hey, it's, it's no longer going to be this way. Uphold the covenant. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Right, And so he says, if you can do this, this will lead to good things. And so in this time where things are starting to look up for the faithful remnant of God's people, even while the task of rebuilding does come with its challenges, God says to them, I'm going to treat you well. I'm going to uphold my, my uh, blessings to you again as you maintain faithfulness to the covenant. And so this is kind of like the first two verses there are like God saying, this is what I'm going to do. 
The next two verses, 16 and 17, God's saying, this is your part. This is what I want you to do. This is what upholding the covenant looks like in the community. Verse, verse 16 says, these are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other. And render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other and do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this, declares the Lord. They were the, they, they were the characteristics of a community who was uh, upholding God's laws and God's covenant. God's saying to His faithful remnant that while they're focusing on rebuilding, the most powerful and important thing they can do in their community is to be speaking the truth to one another. This is one, one of the standout themes of faithfulness in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. When God's people were doing what was right, they were being truthful to themselves and to God. Right? And they maintained justice, the, the theme of justice and social justice, caring for the poor and the oppressed and the widows and so on, the, the people from other nations who come in and um, need help. This was a key theme of the Old Testament, maintaining justice. Maintaining true judgment in the courts when there was an issue that needed to be sorted out. Speaking the truth to one another. It's like, it's like that, what we are talking about last week. Dig down to something solid. You know, that's what it means to speak the truth to one another. There was nothing that was being hidden and no one was trying to pull the wool over God's eyes or anyone else's. Right? And he says, if you can do this, this is what it means to be faithful. This is your part as you rebuild seems to me that God is saying, if you're going to rebuild, then at the core of your relationships with one another and at the core of your lives as a community together, there needs to be a foundation of truthfulness. And this is not just talking about, you know, philosophical truth or figuring out and debating the nuances of how God's truth should be interpreted, but it's talking about having a clear conscience before God and before others in order that there could be stability amongst them and in the life of their community. And so, I don't know about you, but I'm challenged on a number of levels with that because you don't need to jump through too many hoops um, to, to bring this into the new covenant, to see this through, through the, the life and the teaching of Jesus. And um, we're going to dive into that today. Okay, so um, Old Covenant, New Covenant, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, God's people or the church, truthfulness and speaking the truth to one another is foundational to what God desires for us. And in Ephesians 4, there's three things that Paul sort of talks about here that, that will become the, the result or that result from God's people speaking the truth to one another in love. And it's unity, maturity, and purity, right? They're my three itties for, for today. Unity, maturity, and purity, and, um, you know, we're not going to read all of Ephesians 4. You can do that in your own time or you might, you might know it well. But these are, the, these are like the three things that God's saying, um, you know, one spirit, one body, one Christ, you know, all, all of these things he's saying th there's unity that comes when we're, when we're um, united in, in the truth of who Jesus is. And then he talks about growing into maturity as the body of Christ. And then he talks about purifying our lives, putting on the new self and all of it ties back to this idea of truthfulness. And so in Ephesians, Paul, uh, Ephesians 4, Paul says this in verse 15, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect 
the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, speaking the truth in love. If Jesus is the embodiment of truth, right, his, his life and, and his example and his teaching is the embodiment of truth and the, and the church is the body of Christ and the embodiment of Jesus, speaking the truth in love must be a marker of our lives together. In, our, in all of our relationships, in our community together, there must be transparency and truth. And note that it's speaking the truth in love, right? It's not like, um, you know, sometimes we just want to tell someone the truth, you know, so that they get it. And, uh, you know, there's no love in there. It's like the truth hurts, man. You just need to hear this. You know, that's not what I believe it's talking about. Truth is to be used as a tool for reconciliation, for growth, for encouragement, for clarity, for transparency. We use speaking the truth in love as a way out of difficulty that we're going through, dark places that we're struggling with. We use speaking the truth in love as a way of as a way out of whatever might be holding us captive, you know, things that we're trying to cover up. When we speak the truth over those things, we, we find freedom. When we speak the truth in love, we might be bringing to light something that has been hidden from others. And Paul is saying when we do this, we're moving towards the freedom that Christ intended for his church. Right, we're moving towards unity and maturity and purity. You can go on to verse 20. It says, that, however, is not the life, sorry, the way of life you learned. He's talking about being deceived and taken over to sin and all of that. He says, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. He's not talking about the person who lives next door. He's talking about in the body of Christ, you, you know, your friend, your neighbour, the, the people you do life with. For we are all members of one body. So Paul knew that there's something powerful that happens when, we, when people speak the truth to one another in love. Something powerful happens there. He's saying this is a way of something foundational going on in, in our growth in Christ. Our old way of life, the pre-Christ way of life was shaped by falsehood, putting up facades, telling part truths and lies to, to God and ourself and to others. And he says the new way of life in Christ is about sharing the truth with one another, having openness between ourselves and Jesus. Being honest with God is about being willing to talk to God and invite him into the things in our life that we've, we kind of don't really want to share with anyone. Speaking the truth to God, I think it's Ephesians 1.4 talks about we need to become holy and blameless in His sight. And, and it's almost like God, we, well, it is like God already knows everything that's going on, but there's things we feel like we want to hide from Him. Kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden, just trying to, trying to cover up their sin. You know, and it's like, no, he already, he already knows it, you know, but He wants us to share. He wants us to allow Him in. And there's power in that. So before we keep going into this a bit deeper, I wonder if we're starting to feel that there are areas of our own lives where we might need to bring the truth to light. 
It's a powerful thing. It's a, it's a difficult thing to do. It's kind of like um, Peter stepping out of the boat onto the water. It's like it takes great faith and courage and you need, to be, you need to be sure that your eyes are fixed on Jesus when you do this. But if we can do this, it's a powerful thing to start speaking the truth to one another in love. Things we're, we're struggling with, things we're going through, things we need help with, things that were hurtful. the things that are weighing heavily on our minds. It's kind of like taking stock of the things that are going on in our hearts. Maybe we could pause for a moment and just ask God to uh, show us anything that's been going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, things that we're struggling with, things that we might need freedom from in this way. You know, I think some of the greatest freedom we can experience is when we tell the truth. Have you ever had to, you know, just, uh, man, I got to tell you the truth about this. I haven't been truthful. Have you ever had to do that? And when you do, the weight that comes off your shoulders, you know, it's very important. I think the only way out of that heaviness and that difficulty of trying to cover things up is to start revealing what's true to those who need to hear it. And that might be in relationships, it might be to God, it might be to, to your church family, it might be to, um, you know, a close mentor. You know, you know the things that are going on in your life, in the depths of your heart and mind and, and what's going on there. And I think there's true freedom to be found if we can speak the truth to one another in love. Maybe um, there's things that we've been living by that aren't true. That's another way to look at this. Things that have shaped our life. Someone might have said it about us at some point and it was actually a lie. It wasn't true. And maybe today God's saying, hey, I don't want you to live by that anymore. I want you to step into truth. Maybe Jesus wants to speak the truth to you in love today. Remind you of who he created you to be. In John chapter 8, we see Jesus talk about um, this idea that the truth sets us free, right? It's been like, it's like one of those classic verses that people like to talk about and quote. And he's talking to the, to the Pharisees and religious leaders in verse 31 of John chapter 8. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And later on in verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And so Jesus here, he's equating himself with the truth. And elsewhere he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life, right? In John 14, he says that the true freedom is found in him. And the first step of faith we need to take is being completely honest and truthful with him about the state of our lives, right? This is a foundation for growth. This is a foundation for the future, Further on in this chapter, Jesus is continuing to talk and back and forth with the Pharisees and religious leaders about who he is and he contrasts himself with the devil. And while Jesus has been describing himself as the only way to be set free and that he, his life is the embodiment of truth, he describes the devil as the father of lies, right? The opposite of this. John chapter 8, verse 44, talking to the Pharisees, he says, you belong to your father, the devil. It's pretty harsh language he's using. 
that what he's trying to say is you don't know the truth. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Think, um, and, and whenever I hear that phrase, I think of Adam and Eve in the garden and, and the serpent in the tree just trying to tear down what was good there, God's good creation. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And the reason I bring this up is um, because we need to have some great discernment about the things we give attention to in our lives. You know, it's very easy to fill our minds with things that are not true, get distracted, believe things about ourselves because of what we see around us. We believe things that are not true of ourselves or of other people. And sometimes we feel the need to cover things up in order that we can maintain a certain image. You know, like uh, I've shared my disdain for social media before, but this is a very easy place for, for that sort of thing to happen. You know, man, everything's good. Life is awesome. Check out my awesome meal and my awesome, you know, um, holiday and all this stuff. And it, and it hides the real stuff that's going on in your life and it hides the truth of what's actually happening. I know there's a lot of good on social media too, right? But uh, this is just one of those, it's a good example of the way we can take this on in our life. We, we might feel we can save ourselves from some embarrassment if people found out the truth. If others were to find something out about us, you know, that we, we wouldn't want them to know. But we ought to be sure that we're not being motivated by deception and by fear and by lies from the evil one in our life, right? It's a real thing. It's a real thing that can happen. And Jesus is saying, man, you've got to know my voice. You've got to know what's true. You've got to know what I want to say about you and your life. You know, in Ephesians 6, um, verses 10 to 14, it starts talk, Paul starts talking about the, the armour of God and how we need to wear that. And, and interestingly, you'll notice the belt of truth is the first thing we're told to put on when it talks about battling the devil's schemes. Paul says, a final word, it's in the New Living Translation, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, put on all of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And now it doesn't, sometimes the, the, the strategies of the devil, you know, um, he's pretty clever and it's, and sometimes we think, man, if he was trying to get at me, I'd know, you know what I mean? But he's the father of lies. It's very natural for him to be deceptive. And it's very easy for us to be deceived if we're not careful. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You know, most of the time, the issues we're facing come through relationship, flesh and blood, practical stuff. He says, but that's not really the thing going on. It's against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's just, I, I think sometimes we just need to remember that, that while there's a lot of stuff going on that we see in the physical side of things, this is, we're, we're spiritual as well. This is a spiritual world that God has created. There's spiritual things going on here that we don't always see and we need to be sure we're just, we're just checking our spirit, taking stock, asking God, what's true here? You know, it's, um, actually on high school camp, one of the leaders there said, it takes three seconds to ask the Holy Spirit just to, 
just to prompt you in the right direction. And I think it takes just as long to say, God, what's true in this situation? And to just take a moment to say, what's true here? Can you just help me to see what's actually going on? What's true in this relationship that I'm, that I'm having problems in? Or what's true in this work situation? What's true when I hear the news? What's true, God? What's difficult? Um, that, sorry, that's a difficult thing for us to do. Verse 13, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. That's the first thing he says, put on the belt of truth. It's the first thing we're being told to put on here, the belt of truth. There are a great list of things we could do, but first and foremost, let's put on the belt of truth. I believe God's inviting us to put it on today. <laughs> you know, if you could imagine, you put on the belt of truth and, and you're ready. You know, we're going um, to invite you to come and share in communion today. We obviously, it's set up a little bit differently. Normally, I just get you to grab it on the way in. But um, for communion, we're going to, um, you know, in a moment, I'll invite you to come forward, grab your cup, take it back to your seat. And um, in this way, I wanted to make it as though coming forward is like, you know, Jesus, in this time that we share communion together, we're going to put on, I'm going to put on my belt of truth. And I, and I wonder if you could show me what's true about whatever situation you're struggling with. Maybe, maybe putting on the belt of truth today for you is, is you need to make a confession to someone. I haven't, been, I haven't been truthful in this area of my life. Maybe, um, you know, another way to look at it might be, um, God, I need to know What's the truth behind this thing that's been going on for ages? I need to know, I need, I, need that, I need that clear guidance from you about what's the true and right path to take. Maybe you just want to say, I need the freedom that you've got to offer me, God, when I put on your truth. There's, um, yeah, all different ways that God could be leading you to put the belt of truth on. And I want to encourage you to step into it as we come into the time of communion. I'm going to pray and then, um, yeah, and then we can come and I'll invite you to come forward. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the fact that you're truth. You know, when you, when you came, you came in grace and truth, your word says. You're faithful and true and we, we thank you for who you are. Lord, um, whatever lies we've been, um, you know, shaped by, whatever voices we've been listening to that come from the evil one, whether that be in our lives or the lives of others that we know, we want to pray for your blood just to wash over them. That they'd just be bathed in truth. Pray for the power of your, your life, death and resurrection and the truth that's found in you to just wash over us in our lives, that we'd find true freedom. I pray that if it's a confession we need to make, that we'd be bold in that, that we'd be able to step out of the boat onto the water and just look to you and say, this is just too important. I need to, I need to just get this off my chest. I need to tell the truth.
And in, in doing this, God, um, in putting on the, the belt of truth, we know we're gonna, we're gonna be fighting a spiritual battle today. I thank You that it's by Your power that we fight. I thank You that it's by, um, you know, your, your death on the cross, Your body broken for us, Your blood shed for us that we can fight these things. It might be lifting up uh, someone else to you that we know is struggling and, and maybe caught in a lie and caught in deception. I pray that you'd help us to, to um, lift up that person as well as we come to you, that we'd intercede for them as we commune with you today, Jesus. Father, consecrate this moment. Set it apart as a moment where we remember that you um, did something in our hearts and you brought us closer to you and your, your, um, your, your desires for us. Help us to leave different after communing with you today, God. We pray this in your name. Amen.